on Hard Facts. I don't just bring you the news, I bring you the newsmakers. Consul General of the U.S. Consul General in Lagos, giving her first ever interview in Nigeria. Claire Pierangelo. They come to me because they know. We talk to the newsmakers. The special assistant to the president on digital and new media, Tolu Ogunasi. Frank Mba has just walked into the studio. Yawande Sadiku. Yawande is the executive secretary of NIPC, the Nigeria Investment Promotion Council. The senior special assistant to President Muhammad Buhari on public affairs, Mr. Ajuri Ngelali. We talked to captains of industry. She's the founder and CEO of Tomato Joss, one of Nigeria's biggest agro-industrial businesses. Her name is Mira Meta. He's been selected for Forbes 30 Under 30. His name is Inyolua Aboyeji. We talked to the experts. He's the chief economist at Business Day. He's a big friend of the show. He's the head of the Department of Molecular Biology and Biotechnology at the Nigerian Institute of Medical Research, NIMR. Dr. Bamigele Waloko. And we talk to you. I found Mr. Usman through hard facts. He's a listener. He sent us a WhatsApp message when we were talking about the scanners at the port. Give me your afternoon and I'll give you the answers. Lagos, good afternoon. Well, it's evening right now because it's three minutes past uh, five. I'm Sandra Ezekwesili. How did Lagos fare against COVID in January? How did Lagos fare against COVID in January? It's a new month, so we're looking back at the last one. And it was a rough month uh, in the fight against COVID-19, especially here in Lagos. To make that point, here's today's big hard fact. In January 2020, Lagos recorded... uh, Actually, January 2021. In January 2021... Lagos recorded 19,086 COVID infections and at least 60 deaths. January 2021, Lagos recorded 19,086 COVID-19 infections and at least 60 deaths. That's the toughest month on record here in Nigeria ever since the pandemic started. Now, of course, this is because of the second wave. We've heard from different government officials telling us that this second wave appears to be more infectious. And it also appears to have a higher percentage of severe cases. Every day I'm on social media. One person or the other is asking for where they can buy oxygen, where they can get a supply of oxygen from. And one of the reasons why this is happening is because of the new strains of the virus that are now in the wild. Now, this increase has real-world implications. On the social side, more and more families are being affected. Basically, for lots of people, this virus is now closer to home. On the public health side, it's making life more difficult for the healthcare workers on the front lines. And it's putting strains on our healthcare infrastructure. And that's what we're looking at today. Let's talk about the effect of the COVID-19 second wave on healthcare here in Lagos. Let's look at how the healthcare sector is rising to the challenge. And let's talk about what they need from us to help slow down this uh, runaway train and make their jobs easier. Because these doctors and nurses and lab technicians and hospital workers, they are family members. They are the ones that we're putting under tremendous strain when we're not doing all we can uh, to, to stop the spread of this virus. Now, joining me to have this conversation right here on Hard Facts is the Senior Special Assistant to the Governor on Health, Dr. Rolua Fini. Welcome to Hard Facts. 
really we're having a rise in cases and and while some of that can be attributed to changes in the virus itself you also have behavioral factors what are the things that Lagosians are not getting right when it comes to making behavioral changes to stop the spread? Um, thank you for the question. I, I see a lot of people not wearing their masks. We see a lot of people still um, carrying out all sorts of um, activities in high numbers, in enclosed spaces. And um, we also see a lot of people still not observing basic hygiene of washing their hands as frequently as they can and also using hand sanitizers. Um, and there's still a lot of um, moving around unnecessarily. When I say moving around unnecessarily, activities that don't necessarily have to do with survival or um, economics. So we still, we're still seeing quite a few of those. And those are some of the things that um, Lagosians are doing Right now. You know, the National Incident Manager of the Presidential Task Force, Dr. Mukcha Mohammed, hinted that some parts of Lagos, Abuja, Kaduna, and Plateau may be put under lockdown if the spread um, cannot be brought under control. Has the PTF been communicating with the Lagos state government about the conditions under which they're considering a lockdown? Um, that would be at a policy level, and I'm not able to speak to that. Oh, okay. So we've got some great news. Uh, Lagos State Government recently commissioned a new oxygen plant. How much has this helped the oxygen supply situation in COVID-19 wards? How much more oxygen pr uh, production capacity will Lagos need, um, ideally? Okay, so we're using about um, between three and 500 large cylinders a day of oxygen. Hmm. Um, this particular... Um, new commission is able to get um, 60 cylinders, large cylinders per day. Mm. And we're also on the verge of commissioning another one at the General Hospital in Bagada mm. um, with the newly uh, recently reopened um, isolation center. Right. There, still there as well. Right. So that will further increase um, the oxygen capacity of the state apart from that which is now produced and purchased externally. So um, definitely the state is up to the task and being able to deliver the oxygen requirements in COVID-19. You know, on January 15th, the, the Health Commissioner, Professor King Abayomi, said that under ideal circumstances, oxygen usage in the state facilities would be about 750 cylinders a day. So um, are there plans to expand to, to meet actual demand without rationing? Like I've said, the additional capacity coming on mm. will help with the need. However, there is still oxygen being produced in Lagos State, not necessarily by the state government. Yeah. The state has always used oxygen. Mm -hmm. The state has always used oxygen and healthcare facilities have always required oxygen. Okay. Therefore, um, apart from that, we have also the 10 um, oxygen center at, at the centers around the state. Mm. Um, that are like first aid for people who require oxygen um, quickly. Uh, so the oxygen usage and capacity to for oxygen is mm. there. Mm. Is there, and we continue to increase it. To expand. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, earlier in January, Professor Biomi said that bed occupancy at public and private COVID-19 centers was at 51%. And then it rose to 75%. 
But over the weekend, it dropped a bit to 66%. So I'm curious about the factors that led to the to the rise and then the recent fall. And then I wonder if we have any data to tell us if we can expect this trend to continue. Okay, so um, admission and discharge are variable things. Mm. Um, sometimes you have an influx, sometimes you have an efflux. Mm. And especially when you have cohorts, cohorts are people who came in about the same time uh. of similar uh, of similar type mm-hmm. and so eventually when you're going to release them you are likely to release everybody about the same time as well now uh, this is just a drop we may see we can't pin any sort of inference to two points mm. you need um, data for a certain period of time before you can make any sort of decisions or infer anything mm. so i think definitely we collect data we collect data minute by minute mm-hmm. day by day for the daily data mm-hmm. and when we have enough data over a large period of a long period of time mm. then we can speak and say this is what is happening or this is what is not happening right now there's just not enough time to give you a definitive answer mm-hmm. to say this is what has happened. Okay. So, but, but I, I, I would just attribute yeah. more to cohorts. Okay. Certain, quite a number of people came in at the same time yeah. and then they're leaving at the same time. But that's also a guess. If I were going to answer you um, with facts, then mm. I would need to quickly go and look at the data and ask, and come okay, back. why have we really so many so okay okay i want to stay on data a bit more because i want to talk about um that behavior that we talked about earlier on uh, some more um so so you have behavior change communication right and i wonder what bcc efforts the state government is currently running and which community groups you are partnering with to spread the message because a lot of time a lot of the time when my callers my listeners calling to the show they tell me well sandra there's not a lot of awareness there's not a lot of awareness and that doesn't sound accurate to me does, does that sound accurate to you as highly inaccurate hmm. and i say that um, as the head of risk communication for the reason that all sort of demographics have been engaged concerning COVID-19. Right from the decision makers down to the World Health Committee. And if you're aware of how, um, well, the political geography works, the world is the minutest, the smallest unit Mm -hmm. for any sort of geographic um, area politically. So the World Health Committees and their chairmen have been engaged, trained, both on infection prevention and control, and also risk communication for COVID-19. Within the community, we've met with community leaders, traditional leaders, not once, it's an ongoing thing, not Mm. never one-off. It's an ongoing thing. Mm. We've met with market leaders of different markets across the entire state. We've met with union leaders and even professional bodies and artisanal associations. Right. So for people to say they are not, um, it's not an awareness issue. I think people are preoccupied with them um, trying to survive daily, hmm. which doesn't necessarily give an excuse for not complying with um, the protocols for COVID and um, all the non-pharmaceutical methods of prevention of COVID. Hmm. So I think people are just um, nonchalant. And it also says that um, one needs to take responsibility personally. Right. 
are not obvious. It's easy to look to government and blame government, but when government has done everything it should concerning a matter, then individuals also now need to take responsibility for their health and for the health of the entire community. Mm. You know, there's still an alarmingly high number of Lagosians who simply don't believe that this virus is real. I hear their phone calls every day. I spend a large amount of time giving them the data and the facts that prove that not only is this virus real, but it is here among us in Lagos. To what do you attribute this this skepticism, this widespread skepticism? Uh, is there anything you think the Lagos state government or the federal government for that matter could do to Combat it. I think that beyond Lagos, globally, if you've watched the reaction to COVID-19, yeah. um, there has been skepticism everywhere. Uh, I think generally people are mistrustful of government um, for various reasons, real and unreal. Um, but when I say real, I mean perhaps individually now, maybe they've had experiences previously right. to this that um, they're linking with COVID-19. And when I say unreal, for some people, there's nothing government can do right. And therefore, um, anything emanating from the government is uh, to be viewed with uh, distrust. Hmm. Um, I think that um, the federal government, I can't speak for the federal government, okay. um, but I, we are all observing, and because it is a national response, I can say, the federal government and the state government, especially the government of legal state, have done a lot of work trying to let people know and confirm and convince people that indeed there's COVID-19. There it's uh, interesting to note that something that is a global phenomenon mm. would now single out Nigeria for non-visitation, meaning there will be COVID the world round and then it will be absent in Nigeria, that for me... We're covered by Greece. Make, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sort of sense. You know, it doesn't make any sort of sense. So yeah. for you to sit and say, oh, there's no COVID and the government is having you on mm. and um, maybe it's an avenue for um, financial gain, it's uh, completely, it's uh, careless and uh, irresponsible at the extreme because it means that you're not going to modify your behavior to protect others. But you know, there are people who say that having the federal government organize exercises like the ongoing NIN SIM integration exercise, where you've seen massive crowds at NIMSI offices, where you've even had the Minister of State for Health call it a potential super spreader event, is sending a message that all the advice about avoiding crowds is not serious, is sending a message to the people um, who um, think that the virus isn't in Nigeria and that the government knows that. What do you say to Lagosians who say things like that? I would say luckily now your telcos are allowed to register you for your NIA number and then you should go and do that at a telco that is not crowded. Um, I believe that we know that COVID is real and we should just not engage in um, activities that will spread the event, but I will not comment on national issues. Okay. Now, as of Saturday, Lagos um, had run a total of 293,404 tests. That's less than 300,000 COVID-19 tests. For a population of 20 million people, and bearing in mind that we've been at this thing for a year, this works out to about 50 tests per day per million people.
And the WHO recommends a testing average of 140 tests per day per million people. So Lagos is currently testing at 35% of the recommended rate. Are there factors limiting our testing rate? What are they? Is there a plan to ramp up testing? Okay, testing has been incredibly ramped up. Mm. Um, in Lagos State alone, we have 26 centers testing for COVID. Um, when we started the response, we had one center, then it moved to two, then four. Now we have 26 with 22 private and mm. four public facilities testing for COVID. Mm. Traditionally, we do not have very high health-seeking behavior mm. as um, Nigeria. Okay. We have to create an art for people to seek health care. When people are ill, they will try all sorts of things before they eventually end up at a healthcare center. And that is at the point where they can no longer manage at home. Mm. I believe that is what has carried on to this. Now, let me also say something. Testing is very expensive. Therefore, in line with other countries who are even more economically sound than Nigeria, economically robust, you will not use the state facilities to test for things like travel, for things like um, you want to return to school, right. or for employers who want to test their employees right. for maybe return to work. Right. Um, but for... Uh, but for people who are showing obvious symptoms of COVID-19 or people who are known and confirmed contacts of those who have had COVID-19. Right. So, and the private labs are there for those who want to travel or who have returned from a trip and for anybody else who just wants to know whether they have COVID or not. Otherwise, we will not drag people off the streets um, to come and test them for COVID um, to see um, whether they have COVID or not. Mm. So um, people are tested as needed okay. and um, the recommendation, the capacity for that recommendation is there. Okay. Whether people now access it or not is another thing. But we'll continue not relenting in not just um, COVID-19 um, but all sorts of other diseases so that people can fare better. Because most times, the earlier you seek healthcare, mm. the better it is, the outcome is. Um, COVID has also impacted healthcare generally, globally. Yeah. Uh, for the first few months, people were not going to hospital at all. They were afraid. Yeah. And when you don't go to hospital at all, you get worse at home, wherever you are. Yeah. Um, but now we're trying to also walk that back and ensure that all other services and all other diseases communicable, non-communicable um, are being addressed. Um, so that's it. Okay. We've had uh, Senior Special Assistant to the Governor on Health, Dr. Oriol Lua Fini. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Fini. You're welcome. Lagos, let me hear from you now. What do you think about the points that Dr. Fini made? Uh, we talked uh, about a lot of things. We talked about oxygen. We talked about complying with COVID uh, behavioral guidelines. We talked about testing as well. Mm? What do you think? 0700 993 993 99 
following three. But I want to personalize it even more and ask you if you have had COVID. Have you survived COVID-19? Do you know somebody who has survived COVID-19? Do you know somebody who has COVID-19? Uh, do you know somebody who unfortunately died uh, of COVID-19? I'd like to hear from you on today's show. 0700-993-993-993. And if you don't know someone who's had the virus, who survived the virus, who unfortunately lost the battle to the virus, you can simply tell me your thoughts on the conversation that I just had uh, with... Uh, Dr. Rolua Fini, who is the governor's senior special assistant on health. No, Manny is in Lekki Waterside. No, Mami. I, I don't know if that's your name, but I guess you'll tell actually, me uh, how to pronounce your name. How do you pronounce your name? Nonami. Nonami. All right. Welcome then. Go ahead. Yeah. Is it possible that during all of this analysis, mm. you bring someone that actually um, would counterweigh all of this? things that you're bringing because um, in the eyes of a normal person, mm. there was a lockdown at certain point of last year mm -hmm. and the, the reason for the lockdown was there is COVID-19 mm -hmm. and COVID-19 is killing billions of people mm -hmm. and as such, they want to save our lives so they locked us down. Mm -hmm. Now, this year there is no lockdown mm -hmm. and there is COVID-19 mm -hmm. the first wave mm -hmm. and now there is a second wave which is apparently worse than the first mm -hmm. now and we are not locked down mm -hmm. we're still alive mm -hmm. we're kicking in, in short we're doing better than last year are you a, and we're not still alive and kicking there are people who are in the hospital there are people who are dying yes with facts that cannot be um re-verified or um, um looked at by the public or by an investigator. I'm sorry, there are several uh, media reports, the BBC, TVC, channels, they've done several reports bringing you the isolation centres with people who are struggling for their lives at the isolation centres. You've not seen one of those? I haven't, apparently. Okay, so do a Google search. I'm sorry, sure you see several media reports. They went in there with PPEs and they showed you video of um, several patients um, fighting for their lives. Okay, but I would still like it if you can bring someone that would actually speak against the notion because you cannot keep... Speak, speak against what notion? Speak against COVID-19? Yes, so. someone that has um, a better research on that angle so that it's not as though you're... Um, people are seeing it as though it's a one-sided one thing. Okay, so I, I'm trying to understand what you're saying. So you want me to bring someone who will come and say what exactly? That COVID-19 is not real? Yes, because as uh. it is... More than half of Nigerians believe that COVID nineteen is not real. Do they have, have they have no, they have they, wait, have wait, they actually wait, given me have they actually given you data convincing enough data to back up their point that there's no COVID? Well, whatever data you have, because I think, notice that notice no, wait, that I wait, just wait. told you notice that I just mm -hmm. told you about several media reports showing us people who are dealing with COVID nineteen, and you had no response for that. Whatever data you have, I am sure that the data becomes this invalid when your data says one show. thing and then we are seeing Spark another thing. Your creativity. 99.3 Nigeria Info, your number one station for talk. Let's talk. It's fine.
5.31. I'm Sandra Ezekwesili. You're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. Did you listen to my interview with the governor's senior special assistant on health? I'm talking about Dr. Oriolua Fini. We talked about um, testing. We talked about oxygen. We talked about complying with COVID behavioral guidelines. We talked about a host of other things. What are your thoughts on the points that she raised? And then I'm also asking if you yourself have survived COVID-19. Have you survived COVID? Do you know somebody who has survived COVID? Do you know somebody who lost the battle to COVID? I'd like to hear your story. I'd like to hear your experiences on the show today. I'm Sandra Ezekwesili. This is Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. Ben is in Festac today. Hello, Ben. Thanks for calling. Okay, I want to play just a minute. I don't... No, just a minute is not happening right now, but thank you for calling. 99.3. Sorry about that. Call back if you can. I do hope that uh, whoever is screening remembers to ask what the person is calling to do. We're not playing just a minute just yet. So let's focus on talking about COVID-19, right? Um, if you just joined, I told you when we started that in January 2021, Lagos recorded 19,800 86 COVID-19 infections and at least uh, 60 deaths. And I'm asking if um, you were one of the people who was infected in January or if you were infected in December or November or sometime last year and you recovered. Or do you know somebody personally who lost uh, the battle to COVID-19? Personally, I know quite a number of people um, who lost the battle to COVID-19. I have colleagues uh, who lost the battle to COVID-19 and um, um, it's been quite the harrowing experience for people like me. But perhaps that's not your experience and you'd like to talk instead about uh, what Dr. Finney said on the show today. She's a senior special assistant to the governor on health. Uh, Martins is in transit. Hello, Martins. Hello, Sandra. Thanks for calling. I'm calling into your show. I'm glad I've to have you here. Enough. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Yes, yeah, so I'll say I'm a COVID survivor. Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, I am a fiancé and my stepdaughter actually survived. Oh, wow. Yeah, I actually contracted the virus after the lockdown. Okay. And I came home, well, just feeling tired and having a headache and all of that. Mm. But at some point, I wasn't, you know, tasting or smelling. Mm. And I didn't even know how I should live. Because I just thought maybe it was just my normal fever and stuff like that. Mm. So I called, started calling the short numbers, the numbers they gave mm. for us to call mm-hmm. in case you have. I called and they were just directing me that I should go try this place, try this place. I think we're not forthcoming. And the fact again that I was kind of scared, that I hope. But with the fact that they, we know that oh, it's not a death sentence, so. With the research that we've done about treating treatment, mm. taking mm. ginger, garlic, mm-hmm. turmeric, and lime and onion, so started doing self-medication. Mm. I actually took um, some malaria drugs and, and did, did that. For my daughter, my younger daughter was, she felt very sick actually because that's not the case. How, how old was she? How old was she? She was seven. Wow, seven? As, as young as yeah, seven? seven. Yeah, seven years. Wow. Because so, um, ours was not serious because she has a sinus. Um, she normally has sinus. So okay, okay. Her breathing was 
That must have been a scary experience for you. I'm yeah, so it was sorry. scary. It was scary. Uh, they administered drugs for her, some antibiotics and stuff. So, and she was also taking the ginger tea and all of that. Hmm. So she did that, you know, bounced back and came live again. Hmm. So, so, so for someone like you, experience. when you hear people like uh, Normani who called from the water side and said there's no COVID, how does that make you feel? I just laugh when I hear people. In short, I had an experience. I was at the market. I went to Yaba Market. Mm. This mm-hmm. And me and my fiance actually went, we went to buy some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was on my marks and I, she was on her marks. Mm-hmm. And I told the guy, why do you know they wear marks now? Mm. He said, which say COVID thing? I said, ah. He said, there's no COVID anywhere. He said, there has been in this package for the past how many years that nobody has died around him. Blah, 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 blah. I said, ah, for me, I have, I had COVID. I, at least I said, I had COVID. Mm. He said, no, that he binds it on me. If I was actually my shoulder that I, I bind, I cast and bind to each other. It was really crazy. I'm like, really, I wanted to actually do a video of him and Because... You know, when you tell people that there's COVID, and people that call and say, mm. well, I beg you, there's no COVID mm. anywhere. And I'm like, seriously? You know, so a lot of people, even in the market, mm-hmm. many people do not even wear their face mask. Mm. And I thought, uh, a lot of people have been calling about that. Mm-hmm. Malogu market, Daba market, mm-hmm. all those markets. Mm-hmm. Nobody wear their face mask. Mm-hmm. And I feel the government should, if they will wear their face mask, shut it down. They shut, they, sh- they shut it down last year now. Mm-hmm. That were tough it. Mm-hmm. And if they are not going to obey by the rules, they should shut it down. When they're really not making money, they would have to wear the face mask. Hmm, okay. It's very important. It's very important that people, people, people wear their face masks and just obey the rules. Hmm. So they don't have to now start chasing you up and down to wear face masks when you're supposed to wear face masks when you're in public. <laughs> Even when I'm in driving in my car, I'm wearing my face mask. Sometimes <laughs> I say, I can't do uh, this. Public place. So I think there's, there's COVID that people should just be careful out there. Marching. If you have serious issues, mm. you have to be more careful. Mm. Because my, 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 my system is very strong mm. and I was able to survive it. Mm. That would say I'm, I'm here speaking to you. Martins, so, I'm, I'm glad you survived it. Congratulations, man. Congratulations on surviving yeah. it, I beg. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for calling me. Temi Tokwe is in Yaba. Hello, Temi Tokwe. Hello. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Okay. Um, uh, first of all, I would like to appreciate um, the Lagos State Government for their efforts in coping this whole thing. Mm. But I think I have some reservations about their you know, their job too. Mm. Because, number one, I, I noticed that they don't um, follow up with um, people that test positive. Okay. A lot of them just go to them run their chest and then they send your results to you via email. Mm. There's no follow-up on what medications to use mm. or contact tracing. Mm. You know, they just leave you to it. Mm. So I think that discourages a lot of people from from going from going to the I mean from going to run a test. I see. Because they know that at the end of the day it's not saying you guys have anything to offer me. Like do, do you have personal experience with this? Yes, I'm okay. talking from experience. Okay. What what happened in your case? In my own in my own case mm. Number one, the result didn't come out until like at like after seven days. Okay. Number two, I just got the mail, no follow up calls, no medication, prescriptions, mm. you know, no contact tracing and all that. Mm. Then another thing is that sometimes when you even register, because you have to register before going to their center to run the test. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the free one. Mm-hmm. So they don't, 
you, some, they, the last one I did with NIMRO, mm. I didn't get a response on my um, request until like two weeks later wow. to come and run the test. Wow. When I was already feeling okay, like I could go out. Mm. Do you understand? Yeah. So I think they need to work on those things, mm -hmm. like attend to people on time. Mm -hmm. And then um, prescribe or you know prescriptions because in other countries I think they do all those so that, that those are the ways they can curb this whole thing and then reduce it. Mm. Uh, I'm glad that you you survived it. Congratulations, Tebitobe. Thanks for calling me today. Okay. All right, we've got Alhaji Musbao in Alimosho on the show today. Hello, welcome. Uh, Sandra, good evening. Good evening. Yes. Uh, can I make comment to one of your topics you discussed in the past? Is it possible? Uh, well, what's the topic? Is it COVID? No, 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 no not COVID. You know, about it, you know, uh, lucky to get. No, 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 that has passed. We're talking All about right. COVID okay, now. Okay. Mm. okay. On, on, on COVID now, mm. let me just uh, make a little contribution. Fine. Yes. President Momo Dubari gives executive order mm -hmm. concerning the violation of whoever does not put a face mask. Mm. Fine. For the, for the safety of Nigeria. But I look at, it is not too much for the president, I mean the federal government and the state to even provide Nigerian face mask. What they're after is uh, the vaccine uh, you know, procurement, which is uh, so, so about 400 billion. How much are they going to provide face mask for Nigeria? Charity begins at home. You see, so with this now, the executive order can materialize. How much is it? They cannot spend more than 200 million. So that is the position. That's my advice. Thank you very much, Sandra. Alhaji Musbao, thank you very much for calling. The number to call is 0700-993-993-993. Did you listen to my conversation with Dr. Finney, who is a senior special assistant to the governor of Lagos State on health? If you didn't listen to that, tell me then if you have had COVID during the first wave or during the second wave or um, have you had COVID? Do you know somebody who has had COVID? Have you survived COVID? Do you have have it right now and somehow you can call me and talk to me about it do you know people who unfortunately lost the battle to covid let's talk about it let's share our experiences on hard facts today i'm sandra ezekwasili it's uh 28 minutes to 6 p.m tamitokwe is in ojodu hello tamitokwe hello how are you yeah i'm fine good evening good evening welcome go ahead yeah um i'm calling from ojodu mm -hmm. um just to contribute to the program, mm. so I hear a lot of people say there is nothing like COVID, and it's just a, a recipe for disaster. Now, I happen to know quite a number of people who have died from COVID, like people close to me. Oh. For one, the chairman of my organization died from COVID, you know? That's as close as it, as it gets. And then um, I also know quite a number of my clients because I'm into the um, health insurance um, business. Now, there were quite a number of my clients who came down with COVID. Hmm. And we had to, you know, while the government was providing the service, of course, free of charge, we had to make provisions for them to get to those centers. And I know that, you know, it wasn't a nice experience at all. At all. Okay. Wow. Some of them had to pay for oxygen, okay. you know. So when the conversation was on a couple of weeks, um, about 
two weeks back about shortage of oxygen, oxygen mm. in Lagos, mm-hmm. you know, I had a client who was actually having to pay for oxygen okay. in the isolation center. Okay. So when people come up and they say there is nothing like COVID, you know, I just, I just pray that they never experience it. It's, it's, it's a very terrible thing. Mm. And, you know, um, somehow mm-hmm. I also have a bit of information about the results. Okay. And people are testing positive every day mm. in this Lagos. And I can tell you that the, the data is correct. Mm. The, the amount of positives have almost uh, more than doubled mm. from last year to, you know, from uh, December to January. Mm-hmm. So it is real. It is real. And I don't understand what people say um, when people say that um, government is trying to deceive us. They are, the government is, is all, if anything, they want to make money. We're not the kind of government we run. They want to make money. And where is the money to be made when the economy is shut down? Mm. So I really wish people would just, you know, uh, people would for once, for our own sake, just do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Wear a mask. It's not too much to do it. it. It's actually nothing. Just do it. Even if you don't believe it, just do it. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. Temi Topway, thank you very much for calling me. And I'm terribly sorry for, for your several losses. Um, thank you. Bilones Group on... Um, Mm, Twitter says you invited the SSA to the Lagos State Governor to come and speak on the pandemic. She spoke freely. You got a phoning guest. He opposed the COVID-19 and you quickly cut him off. Actually, I didn't cut him off. Uh, my automatic system cut him off. So that's not me. That's the system saying, Sandra, oh yeah, I'll pay your bills. Um, but yeah, you're entitled to your opinion. We've got uh, more people who are sending us messages on Twitter. Nigeria Info FM is our Twitter. We've got Soji Nikeja who wants to share his experience. Hello, Soji. Hello, good afternoon. Sir. Good afternoon. Welcome. Welcome. Yes, well, my name is Soji, and um, I'd like to share my experience. Yes, please. Go ahead. I've been being infected with COVID. Um, I'm, a, I'm a video producer. I'm a filmmaker, and I travel a lot. Okay. Even, this was about three months ago, mm. and even while I was taking safety precautions, wearing mm. face masks and all, you mm. know, you just can't be too careful. That's the truth. Yeah. And I know that period, I stressed myself a lot and obviously led to um, my immunity dropping, you know, so that's how the virus was able to take over, you know, my health. Mm. So I consider myself a pretty healthy individual. I mm. work out, I try to eat healthy. Okay. Um, so it was a shocker to me because, I mean, it started with um, malaria symptoms. Okay. Um, and typically when I have those symptoms, I, I mean, I take a temeter mm. drugs and I'm fine mm-hmm. by the second day. Mm-hmm. So I took the usual oral drugs. There was no change. So I, I, I just figured, okay, maybe this is some, you know, strange bout of malaria. So I went to a family of... <laughs> I like that denial that happens. <laughs> I like that denial. No, it can't it be COVID. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it didn't even... You know, I didn't even think about COVID at that point. Yeah. You know, I, it was just strange. You know, I, I took these drugs and nothing... You know, there's no relief at all. You know, fever, headaches. So, um, 
I went to a family hospital, and quite honestly, it was the first time I was going to use the car. Okay. You know, this is the same hospital that had my kids. So I don't fall ill, and even the hospital was wondering what happened. Mm. So while they were, I mean, typical, you know, procedure, they check your vitals. So they checked my BP, and uh, it was, at that time, it was 160, 120. For those that are familiar with the numbers, you know that that's pretty high, you know, yeah. very close to even having a stroke. Yeah. So the doctor even forgot about, you know, every other symptom I came in with. He says, look, I need to treat this BP, if not, they're going to, you know, develop a stroke or a heart attack. Mm. So... You know, it, it was, from there, you know, was treating the PP, then the chest pain set in by the third day. Hmm. You know, I started having chest pain, hmm. which is unusual. I run, I do five kilometers and nothing, nothing. I, you know, I don't feel uneasy. Hmm. And I'm not, I don't smoke. Mm -hmm. So what exactly is causing the chest pain? Then the, by the fourth day, you know, you know, I couldn't breathe properly. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Then I knew there was something wrong, you know. So I told the doctor, I said, look, Forget about this BP. I mean, I'm not hypertensive. There's something wrong with my chest. Mm. I told, I kept on telling the doctor, with, you know, hospital in Omole, mm. you know, there's something wrong with my chest. There's mm. something wrong with my lungs. Mm. Then we did an X-ray, um, and this is where I would like to draw the, the, the attention of, you know, the healthcare system. There's a so-called lab, mm -hmm. you know, that do this chest, mm -hmm. and they just don't know what they are doing. To be honest. Okay. Yeah, you know, we did the x-ray, the chest x-ray in the lab, mm -hmm. and the guys, you know, they declared me healthy. They said, my, my lungs are clear, my chest is clear, there's nothing to worry about. And I said, no, ah. there's nothing to worry about. I know my body, I cannot breathe properly. Mm. By the fifth day, I could barely take a deep, I could barely breathe. You know, I couldn't breathe. That's when, you know, family guys started getting worried. Okay. Initially, it was just my wife taking me to the family hospital. Then, when she saw how I was, yeah. I mean, it's me that every morning I can get up and say I'm going for a run, mm -hmm. and I can't breathe suddenly. There's mm -hmm. something wrong. Okay. They did test, they did, you know, check whether I had, you know, uh, um, infections in the lungs, the typical tuberculosis, bronchitis, mm -hmm. they didn't see anything. Mm -hmm. So, when the, the situation got critical, I was a uh, uh, doctor, my uncle, you know, recommended that I go to a popular hospital in Mekaja. I won't mention the name. Mm -hmm. And um, on getting there, they suspected that, okay, this, they saw my situation. They said they gave, they gave, they gave me, the first time I was going to take um, steroids. Yeah, I, mean, I, I never thought in my life that I would, I would require steroids or anything. Yeah. It was that bad. Wow. You know, they gave me a steroid injection. They gave me an injection to prevent my blood clotting because the guy suspected that my, the doctor in this hospital suspected, mm. suspected that my arteries in my lungs mm. were clogged. Mm. So to avoid the blood clotting, you know, clotting, mm -hmm. you know they gave me those injections. Mm. And, and this was during the entire saga. Oh, my God. Uh, so there was a coffee. So um, I was in this hospital at about uh, past 10, or by 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And I was required to have a CT scan. Um, this hospital has several branches. Mm. So they said that CT scan machine is in Ikoi. So they will need to ambulance me from Ikeja to Ikoi. But first, we require a deposit of... Uh, 1.5 million naira. <laughs> you know, and this is me struggling for my life, and you're telling me I have between 1.5 million naira. Hey, cheese, right <laughs> So I, you know, I'm like, okay, what if I don't have this money? They say, we'll write a note and we'll refer you to the general hospital. Yeah. Then I knew 
that you know what this country you are in I will, I, okay I'm already thank, thank you thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> you know then I knew that you know I yeah, I was in trouble and people that couldn't have such cash at, at disposal at that mm. point will probably die that's the truth yeah so you were able to cover the money and we were shipped to you know Ikoi mm-hmm. the city scan confirmed mm-hmm. it was COVID mm-hmm. you know that you know and this hospital didn't have uh, the authority to treat any COVID patients so mm-hmm. I had to get to the IDH in Yaba mm-hmm. and um, you know I was in isolation center so this episode lasted two and a half weeks uh, for a fairly healthy individual, mm-hmm. as I consider myself, mm-hmm. two and a half weeks, I was moving from sick bed to sick bed, you know, thinking about whether I'm going to leave my wife a widow or, you know, leaving my kids orphans. Mm-hmm. You understand? So mm-hmm. those were the thoughts running through my head. And I'm always happy to share this experience because, first, I'm grateful that I have a second chance. Yeah. And secondly, I need to tell people that, look, this thing is unlike anything. People claim it's just an advanced flu. No, it's not an advanced flu. This thing will kill you. You know, it is nothing like any flu. So, and one of the things that I figured is, I probably would have died, you know, the fact that my lungs were in top shape. Yeah. You know, I, I was doing exercise. I probably would have died. So, guys, you know, please and please, I know it's tough. It's tough, you know, wearing the mask every time. And, you know, even sometimes I even make mistakes. I forget my mask. I have to go back to get my mask. It's not easy. It's, mm. it's a new way of living. Mm-hmm. And it takes some time to adjust. But please sanitize. And most importantly, keep your immunity as you know as high as possible. Mm. Take your supplements. Especially when you're close to 40 or over 40. Mm-hmm. Your body is not as it should be. That's the truth. Mm. You know, simple things, basic things can knock you down. So take your meds, you know, visit your doctor, if you feel anything, ensure that, you know, your doctor checks you out. And, um, you know, may God help us all. Soji, thank you so much for sharing your story with me and congratulations on surviving COVID. I thank you very much for the opportunity to share it. And, um, yeah, I hope I'm able to educate one or two people. Soji, thanks for calling Lagos. Um, I think I think I think that uh, that that call pretty much ends it for me. I think that call pretty much ends it for me. If you just joined the show, we asked how Lagos fared against COVID in January 2020, I told uh, 2021. I told you that in January 2021 Lagos recorded 19,086 COVID-19 infections and at least 60 deaths in January. And uh, the numbers are not slowing down. The infection rate isn't slowing down. We've got the new strains confirmed right here in Nigeria and they are not playing. So please keep safe. Coming up, just a minute. Let's play. More talk, news and sports after this. Do you earn an income? Are you in need of funds for your child's school fees? Is your car or equipment old and needs a replacement? Do you need a loan for personal or business use? Whatever your business or personal need, Creditville has got you covered. Simply dial 0805-510-0010. You can also send us an email via info at creditville.ng or log on to www.creditville.ng. Creditville, financing you for a good life. 
Craigville, of course, sponsoring just a minute on this show. If you'd Do like you to win... goals for the year? Then here's the good news. Goals are easily achieved by choosing Creditville as a reliable credit assistance. Creditville is accessible and reliable at all times. With Creditville, interest rates are affordable, repayment plan is flexible, disbursement is processed within 24 hours. These and many more are the reasons why you should choose Creditville as your accessible and reliable financial partner. For more information, log on to www.creditville.ng. You can also send us an email via info at creditville.ng and you can give us a call on 080-55100010. Creditville Loans investment leasing all right lagos 0700 0700-993-993-993-0700-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993-993